0: You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 424, Sports Movements with Maury Croson
1: Hello,
0: Big Chillians. Welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. I I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how how we feeling? Yeah, pretty much fully recovered. But
2: yeah, yeah, no, everything's everything's good now.
0: All right, well, I'll see you later.
2: <laughs> I mean, I what else you want me to say? You asked me how I am. I said everything's fine now. But yeah, obviously, you know, for the, anyone tuning in, we obviously have our our interview later on in the episode. Follows the usual format. Um, so we have that interview kicking in around thirty minutes, thirty to forty-five minutes into this, but. You know, do stick around for the conversation beforehand.
0: Yeah, but if if you know. if you are a fan of the word biomechanics, prepare to <laughs> be amazed at how many times we can say the word biomechanics in an interview.
2: It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the focus of the interview is obviously to make you know we're, we're you know we were happy to have the opportunity to speak with Maury Croson to talk about you know his company and and the work that he's doing into helping athletes with their biomechanics so very interesting discussion it touches on a you know a number of different sports and also a few tips that can help just everyday people even if you're not striving to be a an elite athlete so it's it's a good discussion
0: a little spoiler alert yeah you know you've got weak feet (laughs) me no everyone oh you mean the listener (laughs) yes
2: You, you probably yes you probably have
0: weak feet and that's why you can't walk properly
2: I mean, it's far, my takeaway from the interview is my feet are the only thing that's stopping me from being a Super Bowl-winning quarterback.
0: I think that's a pretty good assessment. I'm just going to work yeah, my feet just, to the max for the next year.
2: To the bone.
0: That You know what? That's what I've heard about Kaepernick. That's why he's not getting looks by NFL teams. They've seen his feet, and they just look really weak.
2: Uh, is that why he started kneeling?
0: <laughs>
2: couldn't, couldn't take the load on his
0: feet anymore. Couldn't help yourself.
2: I mean you set me up. I couldn't not do it.
0: I don't know if I necessarily set you up. All I said he's got weak feet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it was obvious that I had to for a guy who's famous for kneeling, you're making a joke. You you chose him. You could have chosen any number of athletes who have lost jobs over the last ten years. Well, there
0: aren't there aren't many that are very public and trying to get back into the NFL.
2: I mean, there's the USFL going on right now. That's an entire league dedicated well, to people striving to get back into the NFL. I
0: was going to say, Johnny Manziel, he clearly has weak feet.
2: There you go. No jokes to be
0: made about that.
2: Not at least in relation to any political or social movements. He's got a strong liver. Yeah. Well, probably a weak <laughs> one now.
0: Switching gears a little. This was a pretty random story that popped up that It's kind of interesting, and I don't know what will come of it. Probably nothing, but so I don't know if you remember in 2010, Armando Galarraga was pitching a perfect game for the Detroit Tigers, and then on the final play, well, what would have been the final out, there was a throw to first, and the runner was called safe, but he was clearly out. Like it was the wor- one of the worst ump calls in a long time. It was like a- almost a full step. I don't know way. if it was a full step. <laughs> it, it wasn't was a full really step, close. but yeah, it was wasn't close. It was a pretty bad uh, yeah, call. Yeah,
2: it was a bad call. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: And the umpire the umpire actually admitted to it after that it was the yeah. wrong call. Which is pretty rare for umpires to ever admit anything. <laughs> um so Sixteen members of the Monmouth University Law and Society course and their professor, a retired New Jersey Superior Court judge, have submitted an 82-page document to the MLB Commissioner to make the case that Galarraga's addition be added to the list of perfect games by Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, and I think this is really stupid. I know Galar- I know. I know he is in favor of this, and I'm, I'm not necessarily of this particular. Uh, legal action but i know he is he believes he should be added to the list of perfect games i actually think this is one of those situations where his sort of imperfect perfect game makes the game itself more famous and relevant than it would have been had the right call been made so it's one of those weird ones where i think you'd rather maintain your status as having pitched kind of the perfect game with one additional out knowing that everyone recognizes the achievement anyway, then have it, you know, and I just think, I think I don't want to use the slippery slope argument. Those are always stupid, but I do think this, how far, how far back into a game would we have to go to look for the error to think that someone was robbed? I understand the argument here is that it's so clear the game would have been over, the perfect game would have been obtained. But then, if it had been one out before, are they doing it?
0: I don't think you can. I I think this is a very special circumstance where the game is over had the correct call (laughs) been made. I I, and I agree, and we talk about this all the time, right? With with football is like the classic example. You know, had they kicked that extra point. Three minutes into the first quarter they'd be tied right now and it's like no because the game has changed because of that but had this call been made nothing changes afterwards because the game is I just so i i think there could be a case i here just
2: don't that. i don't get it like why why do people expect sports to be perfect this is the bit i don't understand it's it's part of the reason why i don't like var why? When did we think that sports needed to be perfect? This didn't actually change the outcome of the match itself. It only changed a sort of somewhat meaningless statistical, you know, classification that fundamentally only a handful of people involved should even care about. It had no impact on anyone's career aside from the um, the umpire. You know, if you really wanted to really think about it. I, I, I don't understand. I don't
0: let me, let me counter argue. Why is it that in only sports, a decision and a ruling is final and you can never overturn it or change it. If after further review, it's clearly a mistake. Like what, what, why can it be changed? Why does it have to stay? why is like what happens happens and no matter what happens and what's been proven wrong we can't Well that's
2: not it. only in sports. Right? That's in everything.
0: I think in most things in life if there's a clear or obvious error, people will go back and change the error.
2: <laughs> if they can but the the and I think it's sports if you can
0: but why can't you here?
2: Because Something else happened afterwards. Do we change the batting average of the guy who got out on the next play? Do we do we change the fielding statistic on the player who makes the play in the next game in the next play? Do we do all of those people? You know what I mean. Like what had happened? Play out this scenario. Play out I this th- scenario.
0: I thought you were gonna feel the dreams <laughs> oh, yeah. in right here.
2: Play out this scenario. Say. Would- and this obviously didn't happen, but say theoretically the guy who would come out for his next at bat had hit a home run. Say that guy was one home run ahead in the all-time home run lead. And then now you go, oh no, 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 now we're making a perfect game. And sorry, as a result of that, your at bat does not count. You know what I mean? Like, And I know that's not the scenario, but I just don't understand.
0: But you know it's not the scenario. So if nothing else changes because of this change, why is it so difficult to make that change? But
2: everything changes.
0: <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> everything changes. It,
2: it changes. I mean, it made this. It made Galarraga more relevant. It, it. He he doesn't really want. I mean, he wants this changed. He doesn't really want this changed. Because I can't name. The last as soon as you mentioned this i was able i knew exactly what game you were referring to i can remember exactly what the out was like i can remember the reaction of the players on the field i can remember everything about it i cannot remember in my lifetime any other pitcher throwing like a perfect game or a no hitter i I can't really remember any of those moments significantly
0: I can remember so, David Wells being a Yankees fan, but you know what I mean like
2: he he's he's established he's put himself into a into a different stratosphere almost by having this happen he doesn't really want to change because if not, it would be like, hey, remember like a while ago when that guy threw that perfect game? Yeah, that was pretty cool, but you know that doesn't actually happen as often as you'd think it would. was it in like the World Series or something No just a regular season game. Did they, were they good? Like, yeah, they were, yeah, they were all right. (laughs) End of conversation. Cool.
0: Do you remember the last perfect game thrown? Mm, No. Case in point.
2: (laughs) And I say this as someone who remembers a lot of things about sports. I mean, I would rather put it this way. I'd rather speak to him about his imperfect, perfect game than any other pitcher who's thrown a perfect game or a no-hitter. Like that would be a more, if I, had, if I had to have someone sit down next to me in a bar and I have to kind of realize who they are and then talk to them about stuff, even though I'm sure he's spoken about it endlessly. So that there's that argument where it would just be pouring for him. But like that is, that's who I'd want. So again, I, I don't know if really he wants it changed. He, he can't put the genie back in the bottle on this one. And then just go back to the guy who achieved the thing he should have achieved. Sometimes you're better off failing.
0: Oh, I think for him, this has worked out better for sure.
2: Yeah, no doubt. But no, I mean, the the really big news coming out of the UK was uh, the all England's club, all England's club decision to ban Russian and Belarusian players from Wimbledon with, the headline, obviously, being Daniel Medvedev, number two in the world, will now miss out on Wimbledon. But a host of other talented players also missing out. Sabalenka on the women's side, probably the, the one with the strongest chance of, of making, you know, a sort of featuring in the second week of Wimbledon. But, you know, Rublev also on the men's side. It's a controversial decision. Djokovic has called it crazy. Uh, Djokovic came out and said that as someone who was a child of war he understands the impact that it can have on a, on individuals and their countries, but that he doesn't think, that he feels it's whenever politics gets involved in sports, it's always a bad thing um, I don't know totally how I feel about it
0: Yeah I, I'm the saying, I, I I mean, We talked about it previously, right? When we were talking about Dominic Hasek saying that the NHL should ban all Russian players from playing in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the things we discussed is it's tough to take it out on individuals who may associate as being from Russia, but may have the same viewpoint that many of the world has on Russia. And they're in a situation that they can't speak up because they have family that you know, they're scared for, or, or family members and things like that still in Russia. I mean, it's tough to take it out on individuals. And then, you know, is there a line do you draw if there is a Russian player who is very vocal about their, their dislike for what Russia is doing? Then is he, is he or she allowed to play then? Like it's, I I don't know how I feel about taking it out on, on a player.
2: So, so I don't think I think this is they're not taking anything out, right? I mean, that is not the intent. It's it's about so from Wimbledon's perspective, they argue that they understand the significance that Wimbledon holds within the sporting world, and it's about sending a message. So, I think their argument would be that the players themselves are unfortunate victims within this, but what they're trying to do is to reinforce the message being sent back to Russia about how the world views what they're doing. And I think Wimbledon if you were if you were kind of taking their full spin on it would hope that actual Russians back in in Russia would see this and even though they're being fed you know the Kremlin's propaganda and being told that this is a special operation and not an actual invasion or a war and that you know very few people are dying and, and all these things and they're there to stop nazis that so they would see this and then maybe start to question well hold on a second if this is all that's going on why are our athletes being prevented from playing in wimbledon so I, I think that would be Wimbledon's argument. So it's not about punishing Daniel Medvedev.
0: That's a very English spin you put on that, Wimbledon. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, I think that would that's their logic. Now, I, I think the counter to that is, if you did want to talk about the impact, the kind of way it can be spun, is that part of what obviously Putin is doing is trying to make it seem as if the West in particular and NATO countries are anti-Russian. And so you might be playing into his hands in trying to say, "Hey, look at this—they're not even letting our athletes compete in tennis tournaments anymore. They really do hate us." So, you know, you, you can you can spin it either way, but I understand where they're coming from. I do think it's a very complicated situation. There is some precedent for bans on sporting teams having a huge impact on uh, countries. I mean. The, you know, the ban on South Africa taking part in international competitions during apartheid is credited as being one of the things that helped lead to social change in South Africa. I'm not going to say it was the main thing, but it was one of the contributing factors. I I get it. Just, I, I, I'm all in favor of banning Russia itself from competing in international competitions. I find the individual athlete one it's complicated. I'm not. I'm not overly upset by it, but I do think it's complicated, and I think it sent, sets a potentially dangerous precedent.
0: Yeah, I, I. think it. I agree. I don't like looking into the future of what this could eventually lead to in in other circumstances. It's a slippery slope. I, I
2: mean, we've already. I hate slippery slope arguments because whenever someone says slippery slope never a slippery slope you know what i mean like there are very few instances where someone goes "Ah, it's a slippery slope we never end up at the bottom of that hill like the world doesn't work that way but
0: look at disneyland eddie
2: (laughs) to me it's more it's actually the reverse it's the inconsistency it's the fact that they're and look we're potentially on the verge of world war iii and you know there are almost certainly there are war crimes that have taken place in ukraine like it is extremely severe what we're dealing with so i don't want to try and draw parallels to things of lesser significance but you know there are other geopolitical situations going on in the world or other wars that have occurred over the last 20 years and other wars that will occur in the future and i don't think wimbledon will take a strong of a stance on those as they have on this one. So I mean I, that's why I think that's probably what bothers me more is actually the fact that this is obviously going to be inconsistently applied more than if they were doing this every year as if like Wimbledon before the tournament took place had some review system and decided, you know what, Sri Lankans haven't been good enough country this year. No Sri Lankans. Like that would actually I'd enjoy that but the fact that it's it feels a bit ad hoc and and like it's these are potentially exceptional circumstances so ad hoc policies are required but yeah I don't know how I feel
0: totally Eddie enjoying mighty england punishing other countries what a surprise
2: <laughs> Well no I mean look this is part of my criticism my part of my criticism is is uh and I know you, we don't want to go into a you know a political conversation Sam If he'd been here might have enjoyed that part of it more but uh who's sam (laughs) (laughs) but but you know like i do think right we didn't get un security council approval to invade iraq and we didn't ban us and uk athletes from competing in international competitions then and not that that isn't at all the same as what's going on in ukraine
0: but Oh, Eddie, see you. Eddie, you are opening a slippery slope yourself here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Should we just go to the interview?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. And now we're joined with Maury Croson of the Performance Lab of California. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, great. And and you know, actually, this is the the second, I guess, sports trainer sports uh kind of conditioning coach that we've had on so it's it's maybe this is our niche now is 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 the training of sports so
1: it's kind of interesting and there's a lot of trainers out there (laughs) you know you have a lot of options there once you get into that world you know it can it can start growing quickly yeah it's hopefully hopefully this will bring in some more training and, and, and conditioning type of uh you know listeners for you
2: yeah, I think I think Frank would be more suited to that than necessarily I am. I think Frank definitely has more of a background in the in the in the kind of training side of the sports. Mine I was much more focused just on the on the playing side. I've, you know, yeah. Frank's powerlifting background and stuff is much more suited to talking going in depth about conversations when it comes to to the real kind of nitty-gritty yeah. training bits.
1: So if Eddie looks lost, just go. leave him just let him be lost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try to we'll try to make it so it, it's uh it's nice and and smooth for you here eddie we won't we won't go too in depth i'm, I'm assuming if we want if we want to talk some powerlifting, you know programming though or whatever we can we can get into that if that <laughs> ends up being you know where we go
2: yeah mechanics i'm good on you know every all the sports i played mechanics were a big part of them so they're kind of looking at that and and we can get into more details about that i suppose over time but yeah the the sort of hitting the gym for hours on end we're we're not really part of them so yeah so so more i guess maybe
0: maybe if you want to start and tell us kind of you know early life and where you are now and kind of how you got there
1: to be at performance lab yeah um yeah i mean i i'll try to make it as as compact as i can you know there's there's a lot of different places that, that we could end up going you know with that but um you know my dad's a football coach and so i was always kind of brought up around the whole sports community right when you have uh and, and he's a, a pretty good sport uh football coach as well you know they won you know city titles and state championships all that type of stuff so um you know and, and when you're in that you always are, are kind of um wanting to be able to kind of be like your dad or or you know kind of following his footsteps in a way uh, I'm I'm a uh, the only boy, right? I have a sister, and so that is even more. I feel like of what kind of pushes you towards that direction, um, and I loved it as well. So you know, growing up, I played football. I mean, I played a bunch of different sports, and you know, one of the things that you know he would always talk to me about about where he felt like there was a big separation, in, you know, his teams, and you know, the our preparation going into games uh, had a lot to do with the strength and conditioning uh, side of things. He got. Um, affiliated with like an East German um, track coach when he was like in the early nineties. And he showed him a lot of stuff that has to do with, um, you know, the the progressions and regressions and when to push and uh, when to pull back and when to max out. And, and so, you know, in, in the early two thousands, you know, he was doing all this stuff w- with football teams and, you know, the the competition we had was just not even on the same level. Uh, and, and it made me just like really fall in love with it because I, I saw the results, right? I started getting a lot stronger. Um, it, it improved my ability to, to run, you know, jump, look better, right? At the end of the day, uh, we all want to look better too. Um, and, and so, you know, that just grew my my fascination of it. And, and so when I went to college, I ended up, um, you know, working for, I, I, I had a, a good relationship with our head of exercise science. Um, you know, just, uh, I went to a small school, Ottawa university, not, you know, nothing, it's in Kansas, actually. People always like Ottawa. Oh, you went to Canada, um, small school in Kansas. And, you know, the, the cool thing about that was everything was very small. Coming from LA, you, you know, the, the junior college I went to Valley before, uh, we would have like 200 people in a class. Right. And then I go to Ottawa, Kansas. And then all of a sudden there's like, you know, 15 and a lot of times the, um, classes would be taught by some of the same professors, you know, for, for a few different types of uh, topics. And so um, it was a very tight knit community. And and so the one of the the um, heads of the exercise science, he me and him became close and his I, I forgot exactly the relationship, but I want to say it was his like wife's cousin or something like that was running this biomechanics lab in Kansas City. You know, he's like, you think I, I feel like you should go and, and, and check it out. Um, and so I did, and and you know it was super badass. I loved it. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't probably cuss. Um, and and so it, I thought it was great. And I asked him to intern. You know, if I can intern there, you know, start to to learn more about what's going on. How can I you know help in any way? And, and um, you know, like yeah, we can. We'll, we'll interview you and everything. And so uh, I ended up interning with, with them for. Uh, it ended up being about a year altogether, but it was supposed to be six months. Uh, but then at the time. My uh, grandpa passed away. My my grandpa, you know, did really well in the real estate um, part of things during his life. And, you know, he passed away and he left my family, um, you know, or all of his, he had all daughters uh, at the time. He left everybody, you know, with uh, a solid inheritance, a good amount of inheritance. And so, you know, we use that as a way to be able to, to, you know, kind of create a a partnership with uh, the people, it was was, uh, Dari at the time. Uh, now it's it's scientific analytics. And so we were like the first people to actually get a um, system out in LA. And so we had um, a, you know, m- markerless motion capture system, something that was really, you know, a unique way of being able to um, you know, measure the body and see, you know, what muscles are being used, because it's all very specific. It's like when you're creating max force, and your knee is at this angle, it means you're using this muscle, and if you're using max force and your hips at this angle, you know, it means you're using more of your bicep femoris hamstring in comparison to your semi hamstring, right? So you're like, looking and you're analyzing, you're trying to figure out like, what is the story? What is the solution? What's going on? How could I help this individual uh, improve? And, and that kind of always took more into like a physical therapy side of things, because more people that are looking for that, a lot of times they're like, you know, I have shoulder pain, I have knee pain, I have ankle pain, I have back pain, you know, like, can, can you provide me solutions in that um, regard? So, you know, I had to end up really starting off in, in that and, and trying to help people, even though I was, I did it because I saw the applications that the sports side was going to be able to, you know, really, really bring. So, you know, I wanted to get more into the, the sports sports side. And when people would um, talk to me or would come to the lab, you know, a lot of times it'd be like, your location is just tough. You know, it's hard to come from San Diego or come from, uh, you know, LA so big, Long Beach or uh, Alhambra or, you know, Thousand Oaks. So um, I started this whole online side of it where I would do like breakdowns and kind of explain some of the things that, you know, I was seeing within uh, quarterbacks and, and basketball players, football players you know, everybody that just ways to be able to help in overall performance. And, and a lot of it was stuff that I, I learned from looking at the biomechanics through the biomechanics lab, uh, which I still use that. Uh, but it's just not as big of a, of a part of my business anymore just because of uh, where the, you know, mobile phone has really taken such a huge leap in, in a lot of ways uh, in, in terms of how well, you know, so so instead of having to use the this you know, high tech camera system that, that, you know, we had in in like 2014 is when it first started. Um, You know, now in the 2020s, like there's a lot of of those, that type of information that's obsolete, just to give you an idea of how fast like the tech uh, space grows, where it's like now a lot of the things that you had to have, you know, I had an 18 camera markerless motion capture system that had like this big giant hardware and, and, uh, you know, it just, make so much noise you know it almost felt like it was like the first computer you know just because of how big it was uh and now you can do a lot of that stuff just on on you know like i have an app on my mobile phone that i use now um when i'm you know watching people sprint and throw and and just being able to break it down that way which which allows me to be able to work with people from a a wide variety of areas uh, because you know it's all about just like the the mechanics of doing it right yeah and it's So, so many good points there we
0: got to, we'll have to get back (laughs) into, but so one one of the first things I guess for me though, is the, you talk about the biomechanics part and I find it so fascinating because I mean, I've, I've been in, in sports and, and competing and strength and conditioning for a while. And one of the things that always blew my mind is like, just for instance, a few months ago, my ankle was just killing me for for like a good two three weeks, and I have a physical therapist that's a good buddy of mine. And you know, I went and saw him, and you know, he didn't even look. He just said, "Can you just just walk for me? Just just walk." And I was like, "All right, fine." You know, and I walked, and he's looking at me, and he's like, "Is there anything? Did you have like an injury like a few months back?" And I was like, "Yeah, like I hurt my my, the, uh, my other like my groin a little bit." But he's like, "Well, you know, what probably happened is." you hurt your groin you overcompensated you adjusted you know your your mechanics of, of walking and running cuz i do a ton of hiking you know and he said your body probably just mm-hmm. overcompensated and before you knew it you didn't give your body time to kind of get back and readjust once the injury was done and now you're you're overputting it you know on your other leg now and it's it's crazy the the biomechanics of it i think is something that has been overlooked for a really long time and uh, for me i guess what's interesting is then on on your end are you more interested in let's say you have a quarterback are you more interested in having his throwing motion be the perfect mechanical throwing motion or using your your data and your your systems you have to kind of strengthen the muscles and the the tendons and everything that need to be from his mechanics
1: yeah great question so um You know it it ends up being a combination of both obviously right so there's not uh one of the things that i I talked about i went to a uh you know because because there's a very big correlation between quarterbacks um and uh golf right how you swing a golf club and and how you throw uh just in terms of the weight shift and the the base and everything so um i did a, a tpi which is like a famous kind of golf institute um you know like training or whatever and or certificate whatever the seminar and they talk about how you know there's not one great way to swing a golf club right there's a million great ways to to uh, to swing a golf club but there's one specific way for you where you're going to be able to get the most out of your body and we want to be able to find that for you right and I kind of take that same approach to uh, quarterback development and and trying to help people with their throw is like how can we help you be able to find the right way for you to be able to utilize your body, right? Because I I, I don't think that there's one perfect way to throw the football, um, or else we would see that with all the different quarterbacks. But When you really slow down all the different quarterbacks, you know, Patrick Mahomes is different than Josh Allen, who's different than Tom Brady, who's different than Russell Wilson, because they all have different limb length and different, you know, one leg, legs could be longer compared to the torso, or the size can be bigger, the hands are bigger, right? There's different people that all go into different frameworks. And so, you know, and and the first thing you have to be able to do as a athlete is establish balance, right is to establish adequate range of range of motion is to be able to establish adequate stability, uh, and and control through active ranges, right. And so we could talk all day about the mechanics and how to uh, effectively shift your weight from one leg onto. Another leg. Um, but if you don't have, going into your point, like if you don't have the right ankle range of motion, right, if something happened that was an injury that makes it so you can ineffectively shift because of what a past injury has happened, then there's no reason to focus on the throw. We need to be able to correct what is a, a foundational issue or a fundamental problem and then utilize that into uh, improving the throw. So, you know, overall, I, I get hired to be able to help you improving your throw. But if I see something that is specific where it's like, you know, hey, we just need to work on on your ability to to, to weight shift or, you know, a big part of what I say within the program is I do like a personalized programming within it where I'm establishing ankle range of motion, shoulder range of motion, uh, right postural strength, right neck position, uh, the ability to to stabilize within the core uh, and, and being able to add that in with effective mechanics. You know, over a period of time is where you're going to see the greatest results, um, in my opinion. And so, you know that that's where my my priority ends up being. So, so just real quick, getting back to the the the
0: quarterback mechanics yeah. part of it. Um, uh-huh. When so, I, I like this idea of you know, there's not just a a, a one form fits all, um, but there's at least in the NFL, there's a big. I think biasy towards just physical attributes and the one that's coming to mind right now is is right now Kenny Pickett who's projected to possibly be the first QB off the board has crazy small hands supposedly you know and that Mm -hmm. was like the big talking point is how small his hands are and can he be an NFL quarterback with these hands you know and how how much do you think those physical attributes can actually contribute to it or do you think as long as you have the mechanics to overcome them, then it shouldn't be an issue. Like, do you think there are kind of set limitations on a quarterback kind of needs to be this
1: tall or have this long arms or this hand size or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. You know, like, I, I, I do think there's a potential for it being a, an issue with, with not having, you know, big hands, um, you know, just because it's, it's harder to grip the ball, right? And, and, and that makes it so it's a lot harder to be able to get the ball out of your hands quickly. Um, which is something you got to be able to do, you know, to play at that level, right? Like when, when I go and uh, work with the quarterbacks, a lot of times I'll go and take, you know, somebody like a Josh Allen um, and, you know, I, I mean, I've done it with, with basically all the quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett's even one that I've done in, in the past, but you know, I, I'll go and I'll, I'll kind of compare like, this is what you're doing at this stage uh, in comparison to what, you know, the best guys are doing, or this is how much time it takes for them to get the ball out of your hands compared to where you're at. And so, um, you know, I I do think some of those physical attributes definitely matter. You know, like, I mean, the the chances of you being an NFL quarterback at 5'8 are not great, right? The, the chances of you, um, you know, being able to throw the ball, you know, over 60 yards with, you know, small hands and being 5'10 are, are not great, right? But that doesn't mean that it can't be done. And so um, there is that side of it as well, where it's like, you know, confidence belief in yourself uh, belief in your ability um, that that kind of obsession towards the the game and learning the game and, and learning how, how to, to uh, take care of your body and your, use your body in the right way you know like there's there's kids that, that you come around that it just like this is just a different type of guy you know he, he just he, he has the talent uh, he has the work ethic he has a hunger for learning has a hunger for getting better, you know, like understands it on a different level. Uh, and I think that that is more of what it it, it is than, you know, a, uh, bigger hand or a, you know, certain height.
2: And obviously you're, you're working with athletes across a range of sports and mm-hmm. across a range of their own natural physical talent level and abilities. But are there any common trends in terms of areas where you have to address, where maybe kind of naturally, just as a, even as a physically gifted person, you just don't, it's kind of an area someone has to put real thought into to be mechanically efficient.
1: Yeah. Your feet, your feet are, are the biggest thing. Um, you know, cause, cause that ends up being where you create everything, you know, like when you're sprinting, the only thing that's touching the ground is your feet. You know, when you're throwing the only thing that starts, you know, so if you don't have the right, ability to use, you know, your feet, feet and your ankle, and there's a lot of different bones, you know, within those joints. Um, and so if you're not able to use that correctly, or, you know, once you start having uh, sprains, or, you know, problems like that, um, and you don't properly address them, that ends up really, really having a, a negative impact long term. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just like the PT, you talked about it, I mean, you don't even have to come in and um, have an issue, I'd have you walk, you know, like I want to just see how you walk from the start, because it's like, how can we, um, make a, an effective impact on you if we don't understand how you move, you know, with your feet. And when I'm watching people do, you know, lifts and workouts, it's like, I'm always watching their feet. And then from there, you can see what happens within the knees and what happens within the hips. Um, and then, you know, being able to correct it. And it's really hard too to make changes in the feet, you know, like you can, change your knee position, um, or your spine's position or your head position. But when you're trying to, to land, you know, with your feet, it's a lot more difficult to be able to make uh, changes, especially for people that have like, you know, uh, the beginnings of bunions, right. Or have had, um, you know, flat feet for, you know, 18 years of their life and now it's like, okay, well, we need to kind of reestablish some of these patterns that you've developed. Uh, it makes it a lot more difficult because the balance has already been established, right? The, the way to control within the hips of established. And so, you know, and then you take one of those guys and they're like, yeah, I want to play um, in the NFL, or, you know, I want to run against the fastest people in the world. And it's like, you know, you you really set yourself up in a, in a bad spot there because there's people that have gone through 18 years of their life with, you know, effective biomechanics in, their lower bodies or within their feet and then you're gone 18 years with an ineffective pattern and so now we have to be able to you know re change all that up um which i think makes a big difference so you know i know when i have kids like i'm going to be making sure they got good ankle range of motion make sure their feet are good their toes are good you know like that's going to be my thing for sure um because once that's all good that's a stout, a solid base then, you know, everything else should be, you know, you can kind of correct some of the other stuff, but the feet it, it's tough.
2: So that would be your top tip for any listener out there. If there's one thing they should be working on, it's kind yeah, of getting yourself feet. like
1: an ankle roller or, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And... yeah. Look up foot strengthening exercises. If you want to look up performance lab and and check out my foot strengthening exercises, some of the things I have there, you know, kind of shameless plug there, but uh, no, I mean, you know, really anything that's about your feet, Strengthening your feet, getting more balance within the feet, better control of the ankles, you know, more range of motion in the ankles. Those are all great things. And and for people, you know, if you have back pain, you'd be amazed how much less back pain you'll have by fixing your feet. You know, I mean, I would say you'd also be amazed if you sit down less, you know, like try to sit down a tenth of what you, how much you're sitting down now and, you know, see if that ends up helping as well. Um, but, you know, check check your feet, you know, see how how range of motion in your feet can make a big difference there. Um, Same with your neck, same with your shoulders, like you'd be amazed how many people I've, you know, shown them where the inability to bend within their ankle has changed their entire pattern of walking or running. And that's why you have a shoulder problem, right? It's because you're stiff, and your shift here, and, you know, we work in opposite, you know, equal opposite. So if you're stiffened one way, you know, in your, your ankle, then you could stiffen up that shoulder because you have to transition off of that ankle sooner. And so, you know, you just got to work on being able to, you know, maintain that foot and that heel on the ground a little bit longer and using that timing with the shoulder to create more extension. And you should start to be able to create, um, a, a better range within that arm. And, you know, give it a few weeks and you'll feel a lot better within the shoulder.
2: I mean, we, Frank and I have a friend who loves to drill into people that the perfect posture is a constantly changing posture. So you're kind of, uh, elements of what you just said there are, are reinforcing what he likes to, likes to say. Yeah, exactly. In terms of then you've, you've already touched on some of the technology that you use. And, and how much uh-huh. easier that's got over time in terms of just being able to use your phone for elements of it that you might have needed to use kind of a whole range of software and hardware for previously. But what yeah. do you actually need to do for most people in terms of properly assessing their mechanics and, and kind of what goes into that process?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question. That's a that's a tough one to be able to, um, you know. Get into it all the way because, you know, I've created something that works for me and where, I, you know, and I want to be able to provide value for, you know, anybody throughout the, the the wide range of spectrums that we're working with here that we're, we're probably have listening wise. Um, but what I would say is, you know, create that fundamental understanding of what is it that you want to see? You know, and then and and you don't have to use technology for that. That's something, you know, and that's why, why I've kind of gotten away from the technology side, because I realize it's a lot of time that's put into, you know, taking all that that data and all that information and then trying to explain it to somebody where it's like, hey, look at this video of you walking in comparison to, you know, me and I'm not a great athlete, but watch how I walk. I had a question kind of also kind of really into the NFL, but not really. But um, so
0: la- I think it was last year, 2021, there was a huge uptick in the NFL is calling it like soft tissue injuries. And there was all this mm. increased soft tissue injuries, what they kept saying because of all the missed uh, training from COVID and then coming back and having a shorter preseason. Uh, what is your take kind of on injury prevention, especially in professional sports? It, it, can you be, have effective injury prevention or are so many of these injuries just the name of the game playing a a sport at the highest level at the highest speed in the toughest circumstances i I mean
1: yeah so i mean i i i have been answering your questions i feel like you know terribly in, in ways just because um you know there's not one answer to that right um the more you drive the more likely it is you're going to get a speeding ticket, right? Or the more likelihood there is for you getting into an accident, right? So the more you are are competing against athletes, at the highest level, right? The more demand you're consistently putting on your body, the higher the chance of injury, right? The more you're throwing a baseball 90 plus miles an hour, the better chance you have of having an elbow problem, you know? So that's just the reality of it. But, you know, are there ways to be able to, um, resist that a hundred percent. And, and there's continually getting more and more, um, information and data out there, you know, that go into, um, the, the rest and the recovery, you know, the diet, the ability to hydrate, um, you know, the, the muscle imbalances, the, you know, body controls, um, you know, how often you should be, you know, pushing, how, when you should, you should take And, and you know, so as time continues to go, cause you know, that's one of the things that, um, uh, people within, you know, like the sport, the sprinting industry, or, or it's like, you know, will, will Usain Bolt's record ever be broken? Right? Will anybody ever run 30 miles an hour? Uh, and to me, it's like, yeah, you know, I think if Usain Bolt was growing up now, uh, he would be running 30 miles an hour by the time he got to, you know, his, his peak, right? Because the the science is getting so much better in the, the technology. So when he was coming up, you know, they were, um, I mean, you saw the de- documentary, he was running with uh, sled in a dirt field, you know, not to say that didn't help him, obviously, you know, that was a a great way to perform, but that's not the most effective technology. You know, like I think what, uh, Marcel Jacobs, the guy that just won the, you know, gold medal and what they're doing right now and being able to, you know, teach top speed and train top speed. And they've even said that he's gotten down into the nine fours, you know, in, in the hundred. And so, um, you know, I think that there's a lot more to come because of how much better our information is. And because of that, it really allows us to be able to, you know, better understand the um, you know, the ability to prevent injuries and and, and also, you know, because in my opinion, the injury prevention side directly correlates with performance enhancement. Just kind of keeping on the, the mechanic side, do you think there's a sport
0: that is currently really underutilizing? Uh, like biomechanics and and a sport that kind of should be looked at more in depth that's not?
1: Really, when you go into the, you know, training and the development of, you know, athletes in in all variety of sports, it it is pretty high level um, in terms of, you know, the, the, you know, mechanical side. Um, Because, you know, if we look at like lacrosse, let's say, you know because that could be something that you look into uh potentially where there needs to be more focus on biomechanics of how to you know use the um you know their their sticks um you know at the end of the day like to be great at that it's it's agility it's acceleration um you know it's speed it's decelerate you know like it's power it's strength and so there's a lot that's worked into the fundamentals and you know from there you could then implement it into you know, those different, um, you know, sports and, and, um, you know, use utilizing for those different sports. And so to me, I think that everything is looked at, you know, really, very well from a biomechanical perspective, uh, more of the issue, right. Is like I said, it's the education of the observer, the education of the user. I
2: have, I know you don't have a ton of time left and I have one final question for you then. And it's, it's about, so, I mean, I think back on my kind of sporting background and, and the role that biomechanics and the analysis of biomechanics played in each of those kind of different sports that I played and kind of earlier on for me uh, you know tennis was 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 my main sport i think what tennis has in some ways managed to do in quite an interesting way is you know the biomechanics of kind of swing planes and all sorts of different aspects has become more of a feature but it still allowed people to have quite an individual approach to their technique and then on the, on the opposite side of things and then later at university with rowing where biomechanics is kind of almost the be all and end all. Like if you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's power plus positioning and that's pretty much it. Like there's, and then your mental ability to keep pushing through, there's virtually nothing else involved. Yeah. Do you think there are sports where, and and obviously I don't want you to say something that in a sense almost damages your prospect from a business perspective, but do you think there are sports yeah. where the too much of a kind of standardized approach to the biomechanics could almost harm the sport itself, kind of remove some of the personality from the individual athletes and from a spectator's perspective. I, I think, and I'll say this not to influence you, I think this almost with basketball now, where like everyone shoots a jump shot in kind of the same way. Like if I mm-hmm. think back to the 90s, like people had individual techniques on their jump shots, even in the NBA, whereas now you watch the NBA and, and unless they have a bad jump shot or unless they're very unique like Kevin Durant and they kind of shoot a, you know, with the positioning he has of the ball, but pretty much everyone else, it's, it's pretty much like the perfect jump shot at every stage. Do you feel like there's a moment where it's a little too much or is it just, does it make the sport better as
1: a whole, no matter what? Um. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to end up being another, another tough question to answer, Um. you know, and, and yeah, because it, it's such a, um in in my you know like i'm the wrong person to answer that question because i'm so specific on the you know kind of biomechanic side of it all i guess and um you know so you know like i I, like i said before like more people need to be educated um you know when you are or into this field right like it's almost like you know there needs to be more people coming into this not less people And so um, or not, you know, get away from it. But uh, I do understand what you're saying, right? Like you don't want to end up being too biomechanical with everything. You don't want to end up making it so you have everything is is too, uh, I guess, limited with your um, ability to uh, really get yourself into, um, you know, I guess I guess too robotic, right? You don't want to end up being too robotic and there could easily be, you know, that sense within, you know, the technicalities of, um, you know throwing within you know the USC within you know punching within like shooting in, in basketball you know like I, I think of like baseball potentially like too much emphasis on you know because there's so many Tommy John issue injuries so you know maybe too much issues on onto that um and you know making it so that ends up being a big part of it um instead of you know it being on uh you know or or a you know, creating the opportunity for somebody to be able to get the most out of their bodies. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that to me, you know, is going to be a tough, a tough question to answer fully because of, um, you know, one, I think there's a, a lot of people that are lacking the proper mechanics. And two, uh, because, you know, we're, we're in that stage right now where it's like, there, there's such an ability to enhance move, movement quality that, you know, we're not in that point where it's like, okay, now we're, we're getting too much into, you know, just en- enhancing movement quality or just enhancing, you know, movement ability. And, you know, we're taking away some of the, you know, natural prowess that people have with, you know, running and and, and shooting and, uh, you know, swinging or, or punching, um, you know, because it, we would have to start, I think, earlier on in order for that to happen. like We'd have to have them start at like five, right? And then it's almost like, Okay. Yeah, we probably shouldn't have. You know, we shouldn't decide if somebody's going to be a, uh, you know, golfer at five and only have them work on golf. You know, because then, you know, that creates that those inability to rotate properly, things like that, right? Or, or you know, really anything, right? Like you can't really decide somebody's going to do something at five, right? Um, you know, other than maybe you know running or jumping, right? Because that ends up being you know, but that goes into so many other things.
0: Yeah. And, and I, th- I think it's to what you said before in the beginning, you know, it's there isn't just one set way to throw a football or maybe shoot a jump shot, but there probably is one perfect way for each individual, depending on that
1: individual. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. That's what I would say, you know, it's like, how can we make it so we're more effective at doing it the great way for, for ourselves? Um, and, you know, that starts a lot with just those fundamentals, right? And being able to understand, you know, balance, you know, control, um, you know, stability, the right ranges of motion. And then, you know, when we can get really great at that. And, and, and I think it's hard to be able to be, you know, overly, um, you know, good at balance, right? Like there, there's not somebody where you're like, okay, dude, you're like, you're too good at balance that you're probably not going to be good at any sports now because your balance is too good. You know, it's like, if you have really good balance at a really good age, like you can kind of can that into anything. Um, and, and so, you know, being able to, you know, and then I don't know how you could really, um, you know, limit your ability to, I guess you could maybe look into balance too much where it's like, okay, this person should probably start actually doing a sport now instead of only being good at balance. Right.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. But but Maury, and I, I mean, I know you're you crunch for time, and we've we've kept you for longer yeah. than we said we would in the first place. But I really thank it. you All so great. much for great. taking. Yes. And, and I guess yeah. just before you head off, I guess one just chance to to plug where people can find you.
1: Yeah, um, you know, Performance Lab of California, uh, you of You know, we have a YouTube uh, channel. That's that's that Performance Lab of California. Um, you know, the Twitter and, and Instagram, um, TikTok, all those things will be, uh, you know, with, if you just type those in the search, you know, there's different, uh, you know, things we had to do with like Performance Lab or, you know, underscore here, add an S in certain places or CA. Um, and so, but, but basically if you type in Performance Lab of California, you know, I think that YouTube has the best content overall. So if there's anybody that's looking to get more inf- information on that, know check that out um or you know reach out to me email me um you know would love to be able to talk to any of you guys if you have any questions and and being able to um you know any of the things that we went over to uh, today would be would be happy to answer awesome great
2: thanks so much thank you so much for taking the time thanks
1: thanks for having me on i really appreciate it guys